Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. This message that we're about to hear about following the internal leading of the Holy Spirit, it was actually recorded the week before George Floyd's life was taken. We still think it's a very relevant message, but I wanted to state the obvious that this was recorded before that event took place. And I want to encourage you as we talk about the Holy Spirit, two things will come out. One, the goal of the Holy Spirit is to make us holy. God's will is always towards holiness. And in God's economy, holy means whole. What would it look like for you and I to be whole in this moment, in this current discourse that's taking place all around our country? Here's the second thing I want you to think about. The job of the Holy Spirit to guide you, you're going to hear that. How is the Holy Spirit guiding us? How is he guiding you to step into the racial pandemic now that we're experiencing, the racial pain that we're experiencing? If you need tools, right on our website, wearepcc.com, is a tab called Racial Pandemic. And it will guide you with tools, websites, blogs, videos, books we're encouraging you. Even a midweek experience is going to happen in the summer where you can engage, where we can engage as a community around the racial injustice that is being cried out all over Uh, our country and all over our peninsula. We started a conversation last week. It wasn't one and done. We will continue this conversation to see justice roll down like a mighty river and righteousness come in like a never-ending stream, as the Old Testament prophet said. Do you know the Spirit of God is mentioned over 800 times in the Scripture? One author calls him the forgotten God. And that's kind of amazing for us as followers of Christ when you think about how often he's mentioned. He's mentioned in the second verse of the Bible, Genesis 1-2, all the way through to almost the last verse of the Bible, Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. Take a breath where you are right now. In the Old Testament, the word for the Holy Spirit is ruach, and it means breath. Literally, it means a wind or a violent exhale. The point of the Bible's teaching of the Holy Spirit is this. When he shows up, he shows up in power. You see that throughout all the scripture, most vividly in the upper room when the church was born in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit came through with a mighty rushing wind. Now, listen, there's a lot of confusion about the Holy Spirit. I want us to break and watch a three-minute video from the Bible Project, a great ministry that's growing, and it will uh, explain to us and give us common understanding on who the Holy Spirit is. So watch this. If you've ever heard the phrase, the Holy Spirit, and you want to know what it means, where do you start? Well, you have to start on page one of the Bible, where the uncreated world is depicted as this dark, chaotic place. But then above the chaos, God's Spirit is there, hovering, ready to bring about life and order and beauty. Okay, but... What is God's Spirit? Yeah, so the Spirit is the way the biblical authors talk about God's personal presence. The Hebrew word is ruach. Ruach. Yeah, you gotta clear your throat at the end. 
So what is it? Well, ruach can refer to a number of different things, but what they all have in common is energy. Energy? How so? So there's an invisible energy that makes the clouds move or the tree branches sway. Right. Wind. So in Hebrew, that's ruach. Okay. Now take a big breath. So you feel that inside you. Yeah, the air? Well, specifically the energy, right? The vitality in your body that you get from breathing deeply. That, too, is ruach. And this is the same word used in the Bible to describe God's personal presence. Just like wind and breath are invisible, God's spirit is invisible. Wind is powerful, and so God's spirit is powerful. And just as breath keeps us alive, so God's spirit sustains all of life. Yeah, ruach. Now, as we continue on in the story of the Bible, we see God's ruach giving special empowerment to people for specific tasks. The first person in the Bible this happens to is Joseph. God's spirit enables him to understand and interpret dreams. And then it happens to this guy named Bezalel, and he's an artist. God's spirit empowers him with wisdom and skills. He's given creative genius to make beautiful things in the tabernacle. And we also see God's ruach empower a group of people called the prophets. They're able to see what's happening in history from God's point of view. That's exactly right. And here's the problem as the prophets saw it. While God's ruach had created a really good world, humans have given in to evil. They've unleashed chaos into it through their injustice. A new type of disorder. Yes. And the prophet said the spirit would come, just like in Genesis 1, but now to transform the human heart, to empower people to truly love God and others. How will this new act of God's spirit happen? Well, centuries pass and we are introduced to Jesus. And at the beginning of his mission, there's this beautiful scene where Jesus is being baptized in the waters of the Jordan River. Yeah, the sky opens up and God's spirit comes and rests on him like a bird. This story is saying that God's spirit is empowering Jesus to begin the new creation. And we see this happening when he heals people or forgives their sins. He's creating life where there once was death. Now, Israel's religious leaders oppose Jesus, and they eventually have him killed. But even here, God's spirit is at work. The earliest disciples of Jesus, who saw him alive from the dead, said it was God's energizing spirit that raised Jesus. This is the beginning of new creation. Yes, and it's still going. When Jesus appeared to his closest followers, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. And soon after that, the Spirit powerfully comes on all of his disciples. So that they can become a part of this new creation and share the good news and learn how to live by the energy and influence of God's Spirit. And so today, the Spirit is still hovering in dark places. Yes, pointing people to Jesus, transforming and empowering them so they can love God and others. And the Christian hope is that the Spirit is going to finish the job. The story of the Bible ends with a vision of a new humanity, living in a new world that's permeated with God's love and life-giving spirit. Good video, huh? You can find that uh, in the gathering notes. We'll hyperlink it for you. Uh, But I want you to break up, if you're in a group, in your group, if you're alone, ponder this question. How did the video inform your understanding of the Holy Spirit? What was it that stood out to you regarding the Holy Spirit? Take 90 seconds and either ponder or discuss that. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. 
All right, so meet me in John chapter 16, and let's talk about how Jesus talked about how the Holy Spirit will guide us. Because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I say. It matters what Jesus says. We're in John chapter 16. Let me paint the picture for us. Uh, the context is it's right before the arrest of Jesus. And he's equipping his followers, his closest followers, with how to do life once he's gone. There is grief. There is confusion in this room. And in the midst of that, Jesus says this, John 16, verse 7. He says, very truly, I tell you. Now listen to this, because this, this matters to us. If Jesus was in the room right now, he'd say this to us. It's for your good that I'm going away. Because unless I go, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. Now we're going to pick it up in verse 13 where he talks more about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will, look at this word, guide you into all truth. That's important. What does that word guide mean? Jesus, what are you getting at? In the original language, guide was a compound word. The first part of it meant a road, a path. The second part meant to instruct, to lead, to explain, to motivate. So in other words, when Jesus talked about he will guide you, what he meant there, putting this word together, was he will motivate and instruct you in a direction. This is why it's one of the fourfold leadings of Jesus, the internal leading of the Holy Spirit. Think of when Jesus walked the earth. Isn't this what he did with his followers? Go here. Go there with 5,000 people. Feed them. Uh, talking, go get the donkey for his triumphal entry. He was continually guiding them according to his will. And Jesus is telling them, look, now that I'm leaving you, it will be actually be better. You'll get better guidance towards my will. And then he says this, he will, not, uh, he will guide you into all truth. Now, you need to know all truth there. Again, in the original language, there's a definitive article. And when I say original language, the Bible wasn't written in English. I'm talking about when it was originally written by John, he wrote all the truth. He'll guide you into all the truth. In other words, a definitive body of truth. And almost every commentator agrees. Throughout church history, we've come to understand that as the Bible. In other words, the Holy Spirit will illuminate his word. We say it this way. The Spirit of God takes the word of God to do the work of God. We see that happen all the time. Now, meet me in verse 14. He will not speak, I'm sorry, the end of verse 13. He will not speak on his own. He will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. I love that. Now, verse 14. He will bring me glory. This is important, everybody. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. I had a seminary prof who used to explain it this way. He said, the Holy Spirit is like a stage director, making sure the spotlight is always on Jesus. I love that. I love that. Now, I want you to see, as you think about the Holy Spirit guiding you, Jesus didn't say the Holy Spirit will control you. He says he will guide you. There's a big difference 
Being controlled, you have no responsibility. But being guided, somehow God dignifies us by having responsibility to choose. Are we going to follow or are we not? Are we going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit or by the flesh? I don't know how you feel about guides. Uh, it's not my nature to want to guide, but the older I've gotten and the more I've traveled, I want you to know this. I value guides. I value them whether I'm at Filoli talking to a docent about a garden. I value that when Ann and I go on an Airbnb experience like we did in the fall. Listen, I'm a San Francisco native. I was born in San Francisco. My parents grew up in North Beach in San Francisco. San Francisco is, I love it. I love the city. Anne gave me an experience last fall called the Hidden Stairs of San Francisco. We had a guide and this guide took us on about a five mile walk through the city to explore places I've never knew existed in Redwood City. And then along the way, he introduced us to neighbors. One neighbor invited us into her home. He showed us different historical places around the city. He took us to the, foil, uh, the foliage of San Francisco and told us what was native and what wasn't native by way of plants and how they got there. We left that. That was a great date for us. And I thought, oh my goodness, guides are great. This is the promise on the table, my friends. If you want to be led into the will of God, that Jesus has an internal leading through the Holy Spirit to lead you, to inform you, to empower you, to illuminate the journey for you, to equip you and equip me too. This is so important. It's actually one of the key values. We only have seven at PCC, but we value following the Holy Spirit. In the Bible, I want to present this to you. Holiness is wholeness. Holiness is wholeness. Look, let's just get really basic. God is the ultimate restorer. That's his plan A for the whole planet. You saw it in the video. To restore you into the best version of yourself. And the best version of you is the version that looks most like Jesus. Wholeness is stepping into his will. Holiness is being whole. And the Holy Spirit will always guide us towards that end. God wants to restore you and in the process use you to be a restorer of other people, a restorer of culture, a restorer of creation. The two go together. So I want to ask it again. Is holiness really the desire of our hearts to become like Jesus. Becoming like Jesus won't happen passively. We've been outfitted for it. We saw that in John 16, but God gives us some responsibility in it. The guide will get us there. Are we willing to follow him and exert the effort to get there? Where does holiness lead? Freedom. Freedom. I've read a lot of books on holiness because I got a lot of work to do. <laughs> but one of the best books I read was written in 2013. It's called The Utter Relief of Holiness by an author named John Eldridge. And he has a, a line in there uh, that I want to read to you. When you think about the freedom of holiness, and if you're pushing back a little bit on some stereotype you have and going, like, I don't want to become holy. 
Listen to this. Eldridge says, ask the man consumed with bitterness how he would feel if he woke up one day to discover that all he once felt bitter over was gone. Ask the anorexic if she would simply know, if she could simply no longer struggle with food or diet or exercise, if she simply never gave it another thought what that would be like. Ask the raging person what it would feel like to be free of rage. Or ask the alcoholic what it would feel like to be completely free of addiction. Take the things you struggle with and ask yourself, what if I never struggle with this again? It would be an utter relief, he says, an absolute utter relief. Friends, holiness has gotten a bad rap. It's not a straitjacket. It's rocket fuel that will take you to places to become the person and engage in relationships and make the impact on this planet with your one and only life. Like we said two weeks ago, it's not our life. It's Christ's life in us. Holiness will be rocket fuel to get there. If you think I'm deceiving you, think of the most holy person who ever walked the planet, Jesus. And let him be your ideal. Let him be the metaphor of holiness. Was he not free? Was he not amazing? Did he not cross religious and cultural and racial and prejudicial uh, boundaries to release and restore people? See, what we see in Jesus, what we long for in Jesus, is the holiness he longs for in us. He's always longed for that. Look at this verse, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4. It says, Even before God made the world, God loved us, and he chose us in Christ. You ready? God's will to be holy and without fault in his eyes. So the definition that we're going to work with in holiness, it's a journey in a process whereby more and more the character of Jesus becomes more and more evident in us. So I'm going to have you break into your groups and I want you to answer this question, and then we're going to jump into quickly the fourfold uh, manifestations in the book of Acts, how the Holy Spirit guided people, and then we'll close in prayer. But here's the question. What aspect of the character of Jesus do you long for him to increase in you? What aspect of the character of Jesus do you long for him to increase in you? Ponder that if you're alone. Talk about that if you're together. Ready? Go. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we only want to hear your voice. We're hanging on every word. Spirit of the living God, Spirit of the living God, we want to
Okay, so the question of the hour. So how does the Holy Spirit lead us? Well, to discover that in depth, I'm going to encourage you to go to the resource section, download the gathering notes, and dig in it this week. Okay, I have tons of scripture in there. Remember, I looked at the book of Acts and all those references to the Holy Spirit, and I basically came up with four different ways the Holy Spirit guides us. I'll just give you the thumbnail, hopefully teasing you out to go dig in this week. Here's the first. He guides you and those people through his word. That's what Jesus said in, in the upper room in John 16. He says he will guide you into all the truth. But you see that in the book of Acts. God using the word of God to do the work of God. He guides people in the book of Acts through internal promptings. Probably the most vivid way was with uh, Philip in Acts chapter 8 when God knew there was an Ethiopian eunuch fleeing to go back to Ethiopia. And Philip sensed the prompting, go up to the Ethiopian eunuch. And it says he ran to his chariot. I love that. There's a tons of ways here and it's in the message notes. He guides people through communal spiritual experiences. That's why uh, the call to Christ is a call to community. And it seems throughout the book of Acts, when the community was gathered, worshiping, when the community was gathered, praying, when the community was gathered around the word, when the community was gathered, fasting, the Holy Spirit showed up and guided them. And then he guides people through his gifting. In other words, when Jesus steps into our life through his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes with supernatural endowments, gifts to empower uniquely, empower you, empower me in ways that we couldn't serve Jesus otherwise. You combine all these four things, this is how the Holy Spirit internally guides us into God's will. I look forward to you. I'm jealous for you. I'm jealous for me to dive into that this week. But as we close, here's what I need you to know. I'm going I'm to capture all of this in just a minute. Here we go. We don't just have a guidebook, the Bible. It is our guidebook for life. Friends, we have a personal guide for this journey called life. We have an advocate, someone who comes alongside to empower us and illuminate the road ahead for us. He is willing to guide us. Here's the question. Are we willing to follow? Are we willing to put it all on the table and say to Jesus, you know what, wherever you lead me, I'm willing to go because I trust you. You not only save me, I'm trusting you with the biggest, um, the biggest journey of my life, right? Eternity. But I'm going to trust you to guide me between now and when I breathe my last breath to guide me along the way. What's holding you back from that kind of abandon? I know for me in this pandemic season, the journey Jesus has me on is to go from believing in Jesus to actually trusting him along the way. If I had to trust Jesus in unprecedented ways, personally and professionally in this season. And I got to tell you, from the rearview mirror, I look back and go, that was amazing. Looking through the windshield, it's a little scary because it's a life of trust. But do you remember what Jesus said in uh, 1 Corinthians 2.9? What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has imagined, God has in store for those who love him. So, he wants to guide. Are you willing to follow? Would you please download that resource page 
and let the Holy Spirit speak to you. God bless you, PCC. I love being your pastor. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.